0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Have a seat. How are we doing this morning? all right that's what i like to hear that's good so you're back for part two of leviticus glutton for punishment i guess um you know i wondered if have you ever had the opportunity to um meet somebody that like it's like i can't believe i'm meeting him or her i've not really had a lot of those opportunities in my life to be honest kind of boring i guess Um, but i do remember way back in high school. Um, me and uh, a few friends of, uh, of mine, we were going to go to the Red Sox game at Fenway Park. And I happened to have grown up, one of my best friends um, was the much younger cousin to the Red Sox general manager at the time. So I don't know if you know a, what uh, a general manager does, but he's, you know, You got the manager, you got like the owner of the team, and then the general manager's in charge of like the team, basically. And so he was always in the media, always in the news, everyone knew who this guy was. And so I happened to just go to the game with his cousin. So we're we're watching the first, you know, seven innings are sitting in our seats. And all of a sudden, this uh, security guard comes with some guys in suits, right? And says, you boys, come with us. Uh, You're going to go watch the rest of the game in the general manager's box, box right above home plate. And so we're... We're walking you know by other people are like man these kids must be getting kicked out of the park for sure look at these kids you know another day we probably would have been but this was good and and so we're walking with them kind of going yeah you know looking at all these scrubs We still got to sit in the seats you know and then we we go and then we, they've taken us into this back part where you're not supposed to access wow these kids must be like famous or something and uh, we take this back elevator up um, and, and we go into this box, and the first thing I remember, given me, is how much food and drink were there. And nobody else was there. And we weren't talking Fenway uh, Franks and, you know, big pretzels with mustard you'd get in the park. Like, this was like, you know, lobsters and just all kinds of stuff, all kinds of drinks. We were in high school. They were soft drinks, so don't panic, right? And, and uh, we were there eating, getting our fill, and in walks the general manager of the team. And I just remember being like don't screw this up, right, like this guy, right, he's on the news like every day, like everyone knows who this guy is, right, and, and just feeling that sense of like, I'm not sure exactly what to say, and so the rest of the game, we watched with him, and turned out pretty much a normal guy, just had a really important position, right, that got fired a few years later, because that's how it works, and, and, and yet I, I, it's, it's left an impression on me, you know, 30 years later or so, almost 30 years later, remembering that moment and so how would you feel? Just what, what do you think your feeling would be if, like, you're about to meet that person, whoever that would be for you? Some of our students, it might be, you know, some TikTok star, YouTube star I've never heard of, but, you know, like, I can't believe I'm meeting him. I see him on the screen all the time. Or, or maybe it's a, a movie star, a musician, or a politician, or the Queen of England. I don't know. Whatever it might be for you. Or, you know, you get to meet the greatest actor in all film history, Bruce Willis. Can you imagine that? You a chance to do that? Play some Die Hard. Whatever it is, just imagine what that that feeling would be, or maybe it's happened to you, and how you felt, and how you'll always remember that moment. So I want to give you this scenario with keeping that in mind. And I want you to imagine you get a text message, you know, maybe Thursday or Friday before the weekend from Cornerstone Church, and a text comes in, what's going on now? Uh, And and you see, hey, at all three of our gatherings, in person, in the flesh, is going to be Jesus Christ. He's gonna be there. You can talk to him, get his autograph. get can sign the Gospel of John or something. I don't know, but uh, and, and you're like, you get that text message. You're like, what? What would be your feeling? Like, what would you? Would, if you were headed away that weekend, you'd probably cancel your plans. I'm thinking, right? If you, um, you know, you were gonna go to church, you're like, wake up. You're like, oh, you know what? I didn't really get enough sleep last night. I think I'm gonna sit home. Would you do that? Probably not. <laughs> Definitely not. Right? You'd probably come, uh, we would come, and, and we would be like, man, like I, I, I gotta, forget on time, I, I gotta be early, right? I gotta be here, I mean, this is gonna be amazing. And then as you walk in, thinking, what is it gonna be like to, to meet him in the flesh, right? Just imagine what your feelings would be when you think about that. Now, if you've grown up in church or have any church experience, you know what I'm gonna say next. You know, biblically speaking, he's actually present with us right now. He's with us. And when you think about the magnitude of that, that sometimes, me included, often we take for granted. We treat it casually. But I think that's because we're human and we're very tangible people, right? So it's hard, right? It's like the spirit of Christ present with us. Like what is that, like that just doesn't feel the same. It's like if he was sitting face to face, I could talk to him, I could shake his hand, I could, you know, hug him or whatever, and, and, and I get that. I, I really believe God gets that. And In fact, as we're looking at Leviticus in the early chapters of, uh, of the Old Testament, God actually had them give a, a physical presence to where he resided, his glory, right, the tabernacle. And, and he had them build it, and that's where he was in, in this tent of meeting that we started talking about last week. Like, it's not like that's the only place God was, right? God is always God. He's everywhere at once. And so he gave them that manifest presence so they could tangibly be in awe, right, of the holiness and glory of God. And what I just want us to see as we look at this next section of Leviticus, that the presence of God is sacred. And whenever we enter into that presence, it is a sacred, sacred thing. Before we we look at the scriptures together, let's pray. Lord, um... We thank you that you, Jesus, are with us. You've been with us as, we, as we've uh, sang uh, songs of worship and praise, as we've fellowshiped together and prayed together, and you are with us now. This is your word. Lord, I pray that you would take it. You know every single person in this room, me included, in what we need. So I'm just praying, humbly praying, Jesus, you'd give us that, whatever that might be, salvation, encouragement, conviction. Sense of purpose, help, whatever it might be, O Lord, you would take your word of truth and give it to us. So we humbly just plead with you on the behalf of Jesus. In his name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So um we, we started this eight week journey in Leviticus last week. A lot of you might be here, but it's okay if you weren't. Um, and really, just uh, w- we're taking each of the uh, kind of eight sections, at least that I've, I've uh, built out, and one message on each one. So you don't have to worry. It's not like we're going line by line through the book of Levit- Leviticus. Uh, we did print out more reading guides out on the, the, the desk out there in the foyer. Um, uh, all of them that we've printed out the last two weeks have gone, so we'll just keep printing them until they stay. We assume at that point all of you who want one have one. That is not a major study guide. It just kind of helps you to know, all right, this is what we're going to be covering because I absolutely cannot cover every verse of, you know, like last week we went through seven chapters and we we weren't, if I went line by line, we'd still be here from last week, right? Um, and so we're not going to do that, but that, that just helps you to kind of really get the, the context of what we're, we're looking at. And so if you were with us last week, this is going to look familiar. It's just a rendition of that tent of meeting. And, and remember, Leviticus just takes up, without any gap, um, the book of Leviticus takes up the action right after the end of the book of Exodus, which was the second book of the Old Testament. And, and so at the end of Exodus, that's of course the book where God rescues his people from Egypt and from slavery. And at the end, you start seeing God give very precise instructions about building out. Remember, they, they come to the, the, the foot of Mount Sinai, and they receive the law, of course, Meanwhile, the people are building a golden calf and majorly sinning, right? And so it just kind of gives you that divide, the holiness and glory of God, the sinfulness of people. And, and so, so God gives them very specific instructions how to build the, the tabernacle. So, so this whole area, the very back uh, in the tent of meeting is, is, is the most holy place. That's where God's special glory resides. That's the tabernacle. Right, and then there's there's a, a veil, a very thick, very precisely woven veil that, that that blocks everybody except for once a year, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks when the high priest would go into the the, the most holy place. And there's a the holy of holies just in beyond that in that tent, um, and that's where only priests could go at certain times and very specific reasons. And then beyond that, you see, it, we talked a lot. The fi- last week we talked about the five burnt offerings. That, that God gave his people, right, to bring animal sacrifices and, and let those animals take your place, atone for your sin and the pollution of all that sin. And so the burnt offerings right in the middle there um, and then the slaughter tables and all of that. And so we, we've seen already God give those instructions for those offerings, right? But we haven't had them yet. You know why? Because in those chapters you heard of this, this, uh, um, this office. It's incredibly important. It's called the priest's. Right? So this section is about God giving precise instructions or, or them really carrying out God's precise instructions about what needs to happen for these guys to become priests. All right, So that's chapters 8 to 10. And, and, and again, we won't, we'll, we'll summarize a lot of it, but I did want you to see how it began in chapter 8. And so it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, and the bowl of the sin offering, and the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So that right there, if you read this section, you can't help but notice 15 times in three chapters, you see... Moses, or sometimes the congregation, or sometimes Aaron, or Moses and Aaron, did as the Lord commanded. That's the theme here, right? The Lord precisely commands what needs to happen, because remember, he's holy in the tabernacle, people sinful, and they can't mix. So, so they're, they're doing precisely what he commanded, but we'll see in chapter 10 a time when that didn't happen, but let's not jump the gun. And so, so uh, again, let me uh, bring you back to this picture so you can sort of visualize it, right? So, so uh, they haven't done these offerings we talked about last week yet. We need to get the priests right. The priests are gonna be Aaron and his descendants, his sons, right? And Aaron's gonna be the high priest. His sons will be the other regular priests um, and it'll carry on from there. But they aren't ready to offer these sacrifices as priests. Why? Because a priest is an incredibly important office. The priest stands between the holiness of God, and the sinfulness of me and you, people. Right? He's he's the, he's intercedes. He's the uh, uh, he's the one that mediates between. Takes the offering. Right? And is incredibly important. So these priests got to be made ready. Right? And and so you see in, in in chapter eight where Aaron and his sons they bring some of the sacrifices we talked about uh, last week. Except it's important to realize they're bringing these animal sacrifices. The sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offering, right? They're bringing him not on behalf of the people yet, but they're bringing him on behalf of themselves, right? So these priests have to be made right before they can be priests, okay? So the, the prevailing uh, theme in chapter 8, really throughout this, is the universality of sin even the priests, these aren't chosen to be priests because they're, 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 they've never sinned or they're better than people. right? They too need to have their sin cleansed. They need the, the blood of the animals to be shed. They need that sacrifice to happen before they can act on behalf of the people. And so, what happens is they come, and, and because there's no priest yet, the prophet Moses has to take up the slack. And so, he, he's there, and the congregation, it's probably the chief kind of leaders of the congregation, they're there. Imagine them see at the, the, the tent of the meeting, and they're, they're the, the entrance, I should say, and they're watching as Moses and Aaron, is receiving Aaron and his sons, and they bring these sacrifices. Um, and the first thing is Moses washes them. There's a basin of water. You can actually see it kind of close to the tent of meeting, the blue uh, little blob on the picture. And that's probably kind of awkward, right? Like Moses has to wash these guys. Um, We're not told exactly how extensive this was, um, but it was a physical washing. Physical wash, when you see in the Bible, especially Leviticus, it represents this idea that I'm outwardly clean, but it's also I want to match my inside, to be clean on the inside before the holiness of God. Right? So so the 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 washing is uh incredibly important part of it. And then they can put on the garments that God gave very precise instructions, right? The 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 priestly garments. This is a rendition, uh, artistic rendition of what the high priest, of what Aaron would have worn. Right? So this is all very you can read in Exodus chapter 29, all kinds of instructions, right? We won't go through all of that, but I think the most important, at least for me, is inscribed on him. It it, it says the high priest, holy to Yahweh, holy to the Lord. That this this man as a high priest is made right, so he can be set apart, so he can intercede between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of people. And so they they put uh, the clothes on, right, and then they take this anointing oil, and it just it like says it basically is soaking into his clothes, and they anoint the priest, they anoint all the area around. Bring you back here, like the altar and, and all of the, the different places where the sacrifice, they, they anoint with oil. Okay, now it's time, once that's done, for Aaron and his sons to bring the sacrifices. And Moses acts the part of the priest. And he takes the sacrifices, and he, and he, and he burns them, and he does all of that, and they, and they bring a few different of the, of the sacrifices. And remember, these are for Aaron and his sons, right, so that they may be forgiven and made right. And so they, they bring them, and, 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 and then, okay, uh, what happens at the end of chapter eight is basically day one is over, right? So the rest of that week, for the rest of that week, they stay right there. The rest of the people, I'm, I'm sure, could, could go home, right? But they, they stay right there. And, and on day eight, on day eight, it's time to see, has God accepted these priests to be in this position? And so now, you can read in chapter nine, um, Aaron and his sons, they bring four of the five different of the sacrifices we saw last week, except now, very important distinction, it's on behalf of them and the people, right? They bring a sin offering, they bring a burnt offering for the atonement of sin, they even bring a, a, a grain offering for the celebration of God and a sin offering. The only thing they didn't bring was the the guilt offering. If you remember, that one was to pay back the debt. That was for very precise occasion so not here but the other four and they brought all kinds of animals right and, and so but this time okay Moses steps aside he's the prophet but he's not the, the priest anymore. Aaron does it and he takes the, the animals and he, and he takes the sacrifice exactly as God says to do and he puts them on the burnt uh, the, the altar that's burning. And so now the people, they're gathered to watch. Imagine you're there, right? I was like, what is going to happen? And so, and we skip ahead to verse 22 in chapter 9. It says, then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and burnt offering and peace offerings. So he kind of comes down from the altar, and he has his hands over them, and he blesses them. Leviticus doesn't tell us what he said, but we're... Taught in uh, Numbers chapter 6, this blessing, you might have heard before. This is a blessing God gave the priest to bless the people with. So I imagine this is probably uh, something like this is what he said. And imagine you're there, you're gathered around, your sacrifices are burning, right? You're watching Aaron, and Aaron uh, says, "The, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And there you are in this blessing of God, our Savior, who, who, who Aaron's asking that, that God will bless your family and your home and give you righteousness and peace. It's got to be a powerful moment. But you wait in expectation because now what's going to happen? So in verse 23, going back to Leviticus, Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. This is the first time Aaron gets to go in there, right? Moses has been in there, but now Aaron goes in. So this is, this is critical. Is God going to be okay with this? They go into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they again blessed the people, and this is what happened. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, right? The glory of the Lord appears, and then uh, verse 24, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted, and they fell on their faces. Imagine if you're there. So remember, the um, sacrifices are on the altar. and They're burning. Aaron had put them there. They go in. They come back out, bless the people. And then the glory of the Lord opens fire on the sacrifices and incinerates them. It would take a long time to burn those kinds of animals, right? But God, boom. And that consuming fire represents God's acceptance of this sacrifice. Aaron, you are accepted as the priest. Your sins have been paid for. You're forgiven. Right? And, and so all of the people, say, watch the glory of God, as they, they see this happen, they have one reaction. And I'm telling you, it's not boredom. It's not casual. They can't help but literally just fall to their face, and they just cry out in praise because of the glory of God. Imagine being there, the acceptance of that sacrifice, the cleansing of that sin, this holy God who's come to dwell with us, even though we don't deserve it. This this theme all about, look, we've all sinned, and God is holy, and yet God in his grace has made a way, has made a way for us to be able to enter his presence, and the sacredness of that. And so, chapter nine, man, it would be great, I think, if we could stop there, and just revel in that and go home. But chapter ten happened, and I don't know if you know what happened in chapter ten, but let me give you at least the beginning. This is a little time after. These are Aaron's sons who, were, of course, or had the ordination of priests. They weren't the high priest. That was Aaron. This is now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. You see the structure? Remember, I said 15 times. They did as the Lord commanded. Here, Aaron's sons, they go into the tent uh, and they have where the, 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 holy, the holy place where only priests are allowed, and they offer fire to incense. And however they did it, whatever they did, it was not as the Lord had commanded them. So now you have to, what's going to happen, right? Well, you don't have to wait long. And fire came out before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, set apart. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. That's heavy. That's his sons. Aaron's, look, you've been there, right? Like, why, God? Like, that seems too much. That's too harsh. Like, like Right? And, and there's your kids, and yet yeah, Moses tells you that, that God says, hey, look, the closer you are to me, if you're, you come into my presence. I mean, you've got to do it right or this will happen. And, and, and Aaron holds his peace. He's not even allowed to grieve his sons, at least in that moment. That's powerful. That's hard, right? Like, especially for Americanized kind of central type thinking that we are. That we, we, and I say we kind of collectively, we, we feel like we've earned a right to tell God how he should do it and what he should do and when he should do it. And if you don't do it that way, I'm not gonna follow you. And it's like, but I'm God, <laughs> right? You're not. And yet, we, it's hard for us. It's hard to, like, really, like, why did he need to do that? Like, what, what, what is, why, what did they do wrong? And it's conjecture. We're never really told. We do know a little bit later on, God gives a new decree. Don't get drunk, priests before you go in so we don't know if those it's a coincidence that he said that or if maybe aaron's sons had partied a little and gone in and done some dumb stuff and didn't do how god commanded them in the end what we know is god is holy and those who are not do not do it the way he has commanded are not cleansed before his presence they will die they will die like god is not playing around right and, and this isn't a popular thing to, to preach anymore right like what God is love and he is love but his holiness is part of that love that's why he gave them the opportunity to come into his presence right because he's love but that does not contrast his holiness and his glory like you can't ask God to stop being holy anymore you can ask the son to stop being hot he is holy and this is how it is. And so, so we, we, we can't be afraid to look at it and say, man, if, I, if my sin's not cleansed, if I try to enter his presence, I will die. That's what chapter 10 was a gigantic illustration for his people. Don't mess around. I'm holy. I'm holy. Right? It was a graphic, graphic lesson. And so... <laughs> As, as we, we come to the end of those chapters, what do you and I make of all this? Because right, we're, I mean, we're pretty far from Mount Sinai, I'd say, right? Like we're far, We don't have the, the priestly garments. Thank God, by the way, I could barely wear a suit when you used to make me do that. So. And I'm not a priest. Pastors and elders, they're, they're, that's God's description of the church. But priests, as we'll talk about, we don't, we don't have those anymore. Thank God, because I wouldn't want to wear that. We're, we're a long way from sacrifices and the tent of meeting and the tabernacle and all of that. So what do we, we look at these chapters and just read them. It's like, what does this have to do with me? Lots. The first thing, hear, hear me clearly. The first thing is we have to understand is that, that necessary for all of us is the priesthood. We all need a priest. And I know some of you are ready to kick me out of here from heresy, all right? But let me give me a chance. We all need a priest. You know why? God hasn't changed. God didn't just wake up and say, you know, that's old-fashioned. I don't don't do it like that anymore. Let's let worship be laser shows and smoke machines and uh, electric guitars. Or for some of you, the pipe organ. Yes! Right? No, that's not what God did. He he hasn't changed. He's still holy, and we're, and, and, and we still need a priest. You know how I know that? Because who in us here has sinned? I like people who are like, me! Right? And 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 I could I won't ask you to raise your hand here, but how many of us literally have sinned today? Right? We're like, man, I should not have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Right? So, so we're all sinners. Every one of us. That's the, the whole point of that chapter. Let's just be honest with it, right? Like, like we we we've blown it. And 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 don't play that game. And you know that game we talk about all the time? That 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 uh, lateral g- comparative game? Yeah, but I mean I'm not as bad as her, I mean, look at her. I mean, come on. I haven't done that. Right? So we we start to to think we've kind of cleaned our life up enough that we can enter the holiness of God. Right? Hmm. Well, in response, I always like to play a little game of my own. I want you to imagine, again, if you've been here with us for a while, that up on the screens here, right now, I said, you know what? I'm going to stop. And we videotaped your entire life this last week. And we're going to show the whole church everything. Everything you did, even when you thought you were in private. How many would still be left here watching with popcorn? (laughs) You'd be running, screaming. It's like, I need to get to CVS. Sorry, Jamie, I don't have time, right? Maybe there's a couple of you that had a great week. Like, I don't know. I feel like I could withstand it. It's been a good week, right? But then I'm like, oh, by the way, we also read all of your thoughts as well. And we're going to roll that like text messages on the screen for all of us to kind of read through everything you thought this past week. Any of us left now? No including me. I'm out, right? We're out. And so, so that, that, just, that illustration just helps you to bring it home. Like, man, we, 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 we are not able to enter the holiness of God. We're like Aaron's sons if we don't have a priest. If we do not do as God commanded us, we're not cleansed before we try to try to approach his presence. Right? And so, if we need a priest, then Jamie, why don't we have Aaron's son still with us? Why don't we still do that? Because, Right? The answer is, Jesus is our priest. He's our priest. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. This is from chapter 7. He's talking about Jesus. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests. Now you know what we're talking about, right? Those high priests, Aaron and his sons, to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. That's the cross. Offered up himself. Verse 28. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. The Old Testament priests, remember, they needed to be cleansed themselves because they were sinners. That's why these sacrifices, they were a beautiful symbol of God's grace, but they needed to keep going and going and going. They weren't uh, enough. They just weren't. They keep having to do it over and over and over again. And yet here comes the high priest. You don't need those priests anymore... Because of Jesus. You don't need those sacrificial offerings anymore because of Jesus. You don't need that blood shed for you anymore because you have the perfect blood of Jesus. He's the priest. So nothing's changed. You and I, we are sinful, God's holy, we need a priest. And he's Jesus, right? And so we don't go back to the institute of the priesthood, instituting some kind of priesthood. And I, I mean, you know, I know. There's there's denominations that Christian denominations that have done that, and I, it's just, it just it blows my mind. Why? Why would you institute a priesthood and call the leader of the church a priest who accepts uh, confession? It gives out that like that's mediating between God and man. That's what he's doing. We don't need that anymore. That was once needed. Now we have the priest. Right when he died, that, that veil was torn in two. You now, if you're in Christ, you put your faith in Christ, he's your high priest. You can now go into God's presence anytime you want without an animal being sacrificed, without a priest washing you, anything like that, because of Jesus. Why would we go back? It's, it's going backwards. So like all of this stuff we see in Leviticus was to point ahead to the perfect priest. And now everything that we do looks back on what was accomplished with the perfect priest who died for us. So the question is: is he your priest? Not some esoteric sort of out there, I, I kind of generally believe. Is he yours? I didn't ask you did, you, did you pray a prayer when you were five? I didn't ask if you won all kinds of medals when you went to a one or won the Golden Bible in Sunday school. And I didn't ask you if, if um, you cried at youth camp or you went to some retreat and got all kinds of emotions. All those things, great. I'm asking you, have you firmly and fully trusted that Jesus is the high priest who died for you, gave himself as an offering for you, the only way to be cleansed? God made a way. Made away. Is he yours? Not as your brothers or your kids or your husbands or your wives. Is he yours? Because it's every single person needs to submit and say, man, I, I just, I, I don't want you to pretend you're a Christian. I just, I'm just, I, it's just my driving desire and passion in life. I don't want you to pretend. It's silly. I mean, I'd rather someone say, man, Jamie, I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure I believe that. I mean, I don't want you to be in that place, but I want you to be honest, right? Let's not stay where we're Christians if we're not. if We have no desire for God. We have no real trust in Christ in our life. Are we really trusting him as our high priest? The beautiful thing is, despite what the world says, despite what some might say, you don't need anything but faith to believe, to repent and believe. It's all the Bible says. You don't go to church for years. You don't got to read certain books of the Bible. You don't got to do it my way. You got to believe. Have you done that? If not, you're invited to today. Why wait? You don't have to listen to the rest of this message. You just trust Christ. Just get right with him. Say, I'm going to trust you as my high priest. I want to be cleansed so that I might go into the, the, the glories of heaven with God and, and his holiness and enjoy that because I need to be made clean. And that's only by the blood of Christ. And so if you have, right, if that's something that you and I, and I know there's definitely a lot of Christians in the room, Right? There's one more quick thing, but incredibly important thing. It's why I began today's message the way way I did. And that is, worship is a sacred activity. It's sacred. To come into God's presence. Sacred. Like you read chapters 8 to 10. Even if you read, remember chapters 1 to 7. It's like, That's big stuff, man. That's powerful stuff. He's not a God to be messing around with. He loves us, absolutely. Absolutely. He's the most compassionate God. He's the most generous, good God. But don't mess with his holiness. Like, it's powerful. His presence is amazing. Like, like do you remember uh, uh, when Moses, who's now we're seeing as the great prophet, when he was still just wandering around the wilderness as an assistant shepherd, right, with his father in law's sheep and even own his own sheep? And he's walking around and he's 80 years old and he's broken down and he meets God in a bush that's burning, but not burning. And from there, the voice of God says, come closer, right? And then, and then what is, what is, one of the first things he says to, to, to Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. What? Like, it's the middle of the wilderness. There's animals running around. This is holy ground. Why? Because God's present. That's why. When you enter his presence, it's holy ground, right? It's sacred ground. This is so very critical. Any time. Christian. You open your Bible to hear from God. That's sacred. Anytime you begin to talk to him, which is what we call prayer, that's sacred. When we gather together, it's sacred. When we worship, it's sacred, right? Uh, the, the, last verse, uh, I'm gonna, the last couple of verses I'm going to give you from Hebrews 12 says this, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. See, now you know what that means, that verse. From Leviticus, you had two times God had consuming fire. You had Aaron's sacrifice, which was accepted, and then you have his sons, which was not. God's consuming fire is is something that brings us into his presence, and we realize, man, he's saying, why don't we have that same awe? I think because of the access we've been given by Christ, we've taken it for granted. We treat it casually. We can talk to the, like, and trust me, this is not high horse. You're, you're dealing with this right now. I've had to deal with this all week. Of, of asking, like the Lord put it on my heart, like how often I treat entering his presence so casually. Right? It's broken me several times. It still does. So believe me, I'm sitting there with you thinking, man, how often do I just think God should want to hear from me? Why? Why should, the, should God want to hear from me? But he does. But why do I treat that casually? Why do I, wh- what, what about God bores us? Shouldn't it be enough that he's present with us Right? Like, like, why do churches feel the need? They gotta do all these bells and whistles to get people excited. Like, forget about it. God should excite us. And if he doesn't, I'm not sure we know him. I'm not sure we know who he is. Right? Like, like uh, the next Marvel movie coming out shouldn't excite us more than God. The football game on later shouldn't excite us more than God. The, the Christian concert shouldn't excite us more than God. Those things are all fine. I'm not saying don't go to the movies or watch the football game. I'm just saying, like, why does God in His presence sometimes bore us or we treat it casually? And I don't know about you, but there's times I feel ashamed. Like, man, God's invited me. That every time I open His, his, his Word or pray or sing or worship sacred, It should be treated that I'm not saying you're going you're to be consumed with fire, right? Thank God for Jesus. But I'm just saying we should realize this is holy ground. We're his people. And we should treat it that way. Can't be bored of God. That's why we look back at these chapters. I say that um, there's going to be a day, maybe soon, where we're gathered with his people, past and present, around the glory of God in His presence. Angels all around, holy, holy, holy. What's that going to be like? We're going to fall to our knees before Him. We're going to realize that world, that that wasn't our home. This is our home. Holy is God. Sacred is God. Man, that's going to be awesome. All I'm trying to say as we look back at Leviticus is let's practice what's going to someday be our reality for all time. Let's practice now. Let's begin now. So what I want to do, as as I always do, of course, is invite our worship team up to get ready to um, lead us in song. But I want to, before I just pray, invite you to just, um, if it works for you, close your eyes. Breathe a little bit. If someone was already closing their eyes, nudge them awake and then tell them to close their eyes again. And as your eyes just, just are closed, just try to ask the Lord to remove distractions or what other things are trying to grab your attention. And I want you to visualize, and, and I don't know what that means for you. Visualize you're coming into God's presence, sacred presence. For me, it's the throne room of God, you know, just trying to visualize what that looks like, which is hard. But it might be something else for you, but just just try to, you're coming into his presence. Maybe you're by that burning bush with Moses. Father, I pray that as we enter your presence in song and prayer, your word, Lord, would you forgive us? Those of us who are here and would agree with me for the times that we treat your, your presence with anything but sacredness. Forgive us, Lord. We know we're forgiven in Christ. We thank you for your love and your compassion and oh, your patience. What a patient God you are. That you would send your only son to be that perfect priest and that perfect sacrifice for us. But Lord, even now, I pray that you would Give us the ability to feel, not just know, but feel your presence with us. And not just right now. I pray the rest of this week and beyond It's your people, as we open your word, whether it's in our favorite chair or outside or whenever we come to you in prayer or worship, corporately or individually, that you remind us this is holy ground. Your presence is sacred. to draw us closer in because of it. Lord, I pray that those who are in the room that have never made or trusted Jesus as high priest of their life, that you stood between the holiness of God and their sin and you paid it all, that today would be the day you saved them. Lord, I have no power to save them, but you do, and I unashamed and just with great humility call on you To show them the truth of who Jesus is and show them that they are made whole and made right because of you. And that today, they would know that they will be in the kingdom forever because of you. They would just confess their sin trust you, Jesus. We celebrate that. That we as a church could come alongside and come around them and help them to see who you are. Use us, Lord. We thank you that you are Holy. Holy, holy. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You're certainly free to sit if you want or invite you to stand as we sing together. Whichever is better for you.